from WHQR Public Media in Wilmington, North Carolina, this is Coastline. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn. 2021 turned out to be a record-breaking year for North Carolina in film and TV production, climbing to $409 million. 2021 smashed the previous record from 2012, the year Iron Man 3 filmed in Wilmington. Back then, the state racked up $377 million in spending from film and TV productions just before falling off a cliff when state legislators pulled the plug on film incentives as tax rebates. Three years later, state legislators dealt another major blow. They passed HB2, colloquially known as the bathroom bill, which, among other controversial elements, required people to use restrooms matching their birth gender. Film and TV producers, along with many other touring artists, musicians, and athletes, canceled contracts with North Carolina venues and vendors, professional crew people, and actors who made Wilmington their home left the state in droves for film-friendlier cities. Atlanta and New Orleans welcomed the incoming talent stream that flowed from Wilmington. But people are coming back. The state appears to have recovered nicely from what were widely viewed in the arts world as catastrophic economic decisions. On this episode of Coastline, as part of the North Carolina Filmmakers series, we're meeting two people who make their living in front of the camera actors who live in Wilmington. They are both raising children here, and they both landed roles in the 2020 film The Glorias, starring Julianne Moore. Ali McCulloch is enjoying her third season on the Fox series The Resident as OBGYN Gabby Johnson. You can also see her in The Walking Dead, in which she has a death scene by decapitation. She's in Marvel's The Punisher, come Sunday for Netflix and NCIS New Orleans. She and her husband, Ron Falica, also own and operate Actors Arsenal, a Wilmington studio, providing classes and other services for professional TV and film actors. She plays Brenda Feigen in The Glorias. Allie McCulloch, welcome to Coastline. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you with us. It's great to be here. Among Nick Basta's most recent credits, the locally shot Florida Man, the new NBC hit Endgame, and he had a recurring role in The Staircase, an HBO miniseries starring Colin Firth and Tony Coletti. In The Glorias, he plays the editor of New York Magazine. Nick Basta, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rachel. Good to be here. So glad to have you with us. And just a quick note on the North Carolina Filmmaker Series. There is a free screening of The Glorias Sunday, March 20th at 4 p.m. at The Point in Wilmington. Allie and Nick will participate in a Q&A after the film. So neither of you grew up here. Neither of you are from North Carolina. Why Wilmington, Allie? Well, when we decided to move east, we were in Los Angeles, um, decided to move over here, and the industry was booming at the time. Um, And we didn't intend on starting the studio. It just sort of happened. Um, Our agent uh, started referring some of our actors to us and asked for help coaching them. And then we started out of our house when I was pregnant with our youngest son. And then it just grew, so we had to get space, and we're celebrating our ninth year of business this next month. Congratulations. And Nick Basta, you also relocated here from somewhere else. You started your professional acting career elsewhere. Yeah, we were in New York City, my wife and I, and when I had a child, I wasn't going to raise her in Manhattan. So 
We had some friends here. Uh, one teaches theater at Cape Fear Community College, and another good friend who's an assistant DA. Um, they said it's booming. It's nice. You can buy a big old house for not much money. It's a little bit warmer than New York, and I was tired of the city. So that's why we chose Wilmington. And obviously, the business itself has had some ups and downs in North Carolina, partly due to incentives, partly HB2, and we might get into that a little bit more. But how how has the ebb and flow affected you, Allie? I mean, there's definitely been years where I've had to rent an apartment in Atlanta, and I've spent most of the week every week there. And, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunities, but it is, you know, it's hard. It's nice that there's a lot coming back here. I like to see it here for me. Yeah. yeah. Definitely driving to work is really cool. <laughs> 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had, um, so in Florida, man, we had base camp over at Independence Mall, and I could ride my bike That's awesome. to base camp. I didn't. I drove because I didn't know how long the day would be, but... Uh, it's been a joy um, to have film back and at least have opportunities. Uh, I didn't work in the state for seven years, so I don't know what the years were. I think my last thing was Safe Haven, and then I can't remember what happened after that, but it was seven years before I actually worked in the state of North Carolina, so it was pretty miserable at the time. I was still teaching at UNCW and you know, keeping busy and traveling a bit. Um, I never rented an apartment in Atlanta. I don't really like Atlanta, but um, <laughs> I get lost there, but it, uh, it was challenging. Now, the two of you also, you know, Wilmington is not a huge city, but it's, it's not teeny. And you happen to be friends. How did you meet? I mean, it's sort of incredible that both of you are based here. Both of you make your living as actors. And you both got a role in the Glorias. And you hang out. Yeah. We're buds. Yeah. I absolutely. remember the very first time that I met you. We had been hearing about Nick Basta for a while when we moved here. I'm obnoxious. Everybody um, hears about Nick Basta right, when they move as here. As they should. Um, and uh, you came into the studio for an audition, and you had an accent and this crazy shirt. And mm. I don't remember what it was for, <laughs> but when you walked out, I told Ron, I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> I love him. And yeah. then we just started hanging out. I don't know. All of us get together. And um, what kind know. of an accent was it? Eastern European of sorts. It was great. Yeah. And uh, I was just Russian? Like, oh, Russian. That, can you, know, you do that for good, us? Man. I, was, uh, I lived in Moscow for, for four months, so, you know, it's, you do what you can. Uh, <laughs> that was maybe, part of your actor training, wasn't it? Uh, well, accents in Russia were not, but um, you, you get you get by. I wouldn't want to be there now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do remember that. I was kind of doing a new agent, new Russian type of thing. But, yeah, I just loved Ali and Ron from the beginning. I was like, can I work here? <laughs> Ron's like, well, we don't have a space for you right now. But they do such great work. The premier uh, talent, you know, in town studio for that. So if you need any help, and congratulations. It's just going so well for Thanks. you guys. And, you know, I support them as much as possible. But we're just fast friends. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Glorias in which you both have roles. Obviously, it's a biopic about Gloria Steinem based on her life uh, and on her book, My Life on the Road. Allie McCulloch, your character, Brenda Feigen, who is she? Who is she to Gloria? Well, she's a really inspiring, real-life human being. Um, She's a lawyer currently, but she came up the ranks with Gloria and was one of the founders of Ms. Magazine. And um, I found out so much more once I got the part because I started investigating. I read her book and um, the biggest question is everybody asks if I contacted her and I'm like, no, because I was scared to. What if she was, didn't like it? I don't know. Um, but she seems fascinating. So, And I looked at all the pictures I could find of her and her style and just everything and the, they did a great job sort of replicating that. So, yeah, it was great. 
Yeah. And you have a scene in the film in which you're the one who gets to come up with the name for the magazine. Mm -hmm. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Everybody in the cast, all of the women I worked with in the five weeks that I was on the set um, were in that scene. So it was it was great. You worked on it for five weeks. Yeah. Off and on. I mean, back and forth. But um, yeah, five and a half weeks. And where was it shot? Savannah. And Nick Basta. Georgia. Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Not North Carolina. <laughs> right. And so Pretty city. You've explained that your character is something of an amalgam. So tell us about your character. Yeah. I th- I th- um, you know, they do go cradle to grave in The Glorious, which is a lot to, to bite off. Um, so I think a lot of the characters are amalgams of people that, that you just couldn't – you just can't fill the space. You know, she's got her, she's got her office people. So I think – what what I had heard through everybody was I'm a um, caricature of Clay Felker, who was the guy who was actually gave her her first money from his magazine. So he was a nice guy. Again, I, I do stress this. I haven't played nice guys in a long time. And this was one of the first. And he um, he's a very supportive individual. But it's New York editor, so it was like kind of – I think they use a couple of – Kind of ideas, but I think I learned later it was about it was really about Clay Felker, who's an actual guy, yeah, who's not with us anymore, but very instrumental in Gloria's life. You know, supporting her after the Playboy article, as you can see, which is interesting because you do have some scenes with whoever is playing Gloria Steinem in a particular age range in which you are part of the patriarchy in terms of discouraging her from covering things um, that she wants to cover, or yeah, you know, but he does it in sort of like a well, shucks, I'm kind of still not learning about this feminism thing yet. No, my mom raised me, you know, true feminism. So it was like very easy uh, transition for me. You know, she was all about ERA. I knew about that when I was six years old. I used to tease her. What about ERA, mom? You know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then she was very excited that I got to work with Gloria or, you know, meet them and the whole thing. But I, quick side story. I auditioned with a nice guy attitude and Julie said, did I tell you this? She said, you're the only one who auditioned with a nice persona. Julie Tamor, the director. Yeah. And that was like so nice. You never get feedback from auditions. And this, like, I finally knew why I got the part. She's like, you're the only one that was nice. Because the language lends itself to being kind of a misogynist male and, you know, whatever it might be in the Mad Men era. But I didn't because the first line is, I like the glasses. So I'm like, well, maybe he does like the glasses. You know, and like I said, that's the aviators. It's, it's like an act break. It, it starts Act Two really in, mm-hmm. in a way to to where she blossoms into who she is. And so a lot of people had had come in reading it the other way. Well, I, I didn't see them, but I assumed that they were playing nasty men, which is what I normally play. So this is a really <laughs> kind of a really nice thing to to do. As Alicia Vikander played the the middle Gloria, so she was lovely. That was a great scene. Twelve hour day. Yeah, and we're going to find out when we come back from this break how you felt when you first found out you got the part and then and then what getting the part means. What do you do next? You're listening to Coastline. Professional actors Ali McCulloch and Nick Basta are my guests today. They both had roles in the film The Glorias starring Julianne Moore. We'll have more with them after this short break. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline.
You're listening to Coastline. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn. Ali McCulloch and Nick Basta make their living as actors based in Wilmington. They are both married, not to each other, to be clear, and they are raising kids in the Cape Fear region. They also both found themselves cast in the feature film The Gloria, starring Julianne Moore, which is based on Gloria Steinem's book My Life on the Road. There is a free screening of the film Sunday, March 20th at 4 p.m. at the Point Cinemas in Wilmington. Allie and Nick will participate in a Q&A after the film, and the screening is courtesy of the North Carolina Filmmakers Series. Nick, just before we went to break, you were explaining that it's not typical to find out why you get a part, but you found out because you played the character in a way that was different from the way it was it was supportive and positive and as a nice guy. That's what Julie Tamor, the director, told you about why you got the role. Yeah, she's theater, so she's pretty hands-on, huggy, and, and that's good for me. I like that, too. But I think both Valley and I would say, okay, so you're going to do you're gonna audition, you're going to make a choice, as they say, just do the opposite and see what happens. Um, and then sometimes it works. Most times nothing works, but let's just say it does. So, yeah, she, was, um, she found out I was a theater guy. I went to ART in Boston. She's got, AR, she's got Boston roots, so it was, it was, uh, it was really nice um, to find out that information because I don't think you ever do, really. I mean, it's like 99% you don't know. Right. And Allie, do you remember the moment you found out that you got the part of Brenda Feigen? Yes, I do. I was in a hotel um, in Rhode Island. My son was filming something, and um, I got a text from my agent that I got it. And I had auditioned like a month before. I mean, it was like, I feel like it was sometime in November, and this was December something. Um, but I immediately was just really scared, um, which is normally my first moment. Sure. Like, especially in this case, because I'm playing a real person. And to do that justice and make her proud is a whole other thing. But then you add on top of that that all of my scenes are with Julianne Moore, and it's a lot. Um, <laughs> but then quickly the adrenaline turns from fear to like, utmost excitement um, and I love having to really dive in and, and work on stuff and in this case I had so much work to do because I needed to read Brenda's book and you know Gloria's book and I had there was just so much there's so much available so I was able to really invest myself in it which a lot of the parts we get it's just know your lines and know what you're doing and that's the end of the story so um, yeah it was it was very exciting for me so other than reading the book both of those books, how do you prepare to arrive on set? I mean, for me, once the work's done, once that part of the work is done and and the preparation is done, um, trying to understand and get in the mind of a woman in that time, um, then it's really just reminding myself to stay totally present and soak it all in. Just every moment looking to the eyes of this human being that I've watched since I can remember (laughs) And she's the kindest, like most humble, down-to-earth human being. So when you're on set and you remember that, you're human to human. There's nothing weird about it. There's no movie star in front of you. There's a human being who's really caring. And so she's she's so wonderful because she supports everybody that's around her so well. Um, and I, I think she genuinely is just that lovely. And it helps everybody have ease and comfort and then you forget that you're even working and you're just doing the thing and it goes really well. I, I don't know. I mean, it was just like surreal, I guess, is how I feel about it. Yeah. Nick Bostop, um, playing editor of New York Magazine, 
you you explained why Julie Taymor, the director, chose you for the part. But what is it like to arrive on set? Can you take us through that? And you used a term in the first segment that uh, many of our listeners might not know called base camp. What is base camp? And, oh. and what is it like when you get there? Um, usually it's hurry up and wait, just like the Army. Um, <laughs> you you go and you sit for two hours, and then they bring you to hair and makeup or whatever your costumes, usually that kind of pace, uh, where your trailer is, and it's usually a small trailer. Sometimes we'll get a big ones, not not usually, but uh, base camp just where you have lunch. Usually, it's where all the crew uh, kind of hangs out, uh, smoke cigarettes, uh, eat eat lunch, uh, f- sign your documents, and generally wait till you go to set. Um, in this case, it wasn't too far away. I think it was just a couple blocks where they put all your trailers and where you're set up. But do you know in um, Canada they call it circus? Oh, uh, yeah. I think that's great. How uh, appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I know where the, the HBO spe- special, The Circus, I don't know if that's kind of related. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a, a term with that. Um, and so did you do any special preparation for this role before um, showing up? You, 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 you don't sometimes know a lot. You know, for instance, I didn't really meet Julie or talk to her till the day we went and you know, I know for Allie, it was probably a little bit more intense because you got a real person. Mine was, again, an amalgam. So I just made choices based on what I auditioned with. That's what you bring. You know, who am I going to do? What do I want from this person? Um, it was My job was pretty easy. I mean, Alicia Vikander is a really stunning person, just completely warm and generous. The, you know, the, the big some most movie stars, I think, are actually. Yeah, so kind. Yeah, like we got here for a reason and we want everyone to do the best work and this show lends itself to that anyway. So, but I mean, she made it pretty easy. We had a relationship. You know, it was just sort of like a older brother paternal relationship where I was helping her and she was really trying to break out. Um, As an actor, you're an artist, and so I would think that you're always learning. Like each with each job, I would think you maybe pick up new things or refine things or change things. Was there anything you learned, Allie, on this particular set, the set of the Glorias, that you'll carry with you? I mean, so many things, but I think what Nick just said is one of the things I took away from it, that the the people who have gotten there, wherever there is, got there for a reason, and that, that humility and that generosity of spirit is the goal. It's not about, I mean, the work is so wonderful, but it's like a byproduct. It's a bonus. I think it's like showing up and communicating with people and really loving them is is the thing I took away. And just, you know, I try to incorporate that into my career and my life any chance I get. So you mentioned that every scene you have includes Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. What was she like? What was it like to work with her? Oh, she's amazing. I mean, the first day on set, she had her air pod things in and she was working on the dialect and we did a take and she came up to me and asked how it sounded and I was like I, it sounds perfect <laughs> she was like oh my gosh thank you so much and like she was you could tell she was fine you know it was her first it was the first day of the shoot um and she was just adjusting the clothes and you know she had the fake nails on and it was just so fun to watch her be you know real like all the rest of us just making sure it's working and um yeah, I mean, she was she's funny. Um, she was really helpful. There was there was some tricky dialogue in the script, and um, one day I had a little bit of a like a I just couldn't get some words out of my mouth in the way I wanted to. And she came up to me and she was just sharing that she had the same experience with the same script, and 
it's not me. It's just the words and it's all good. And it was like, it was comforting. What did that do for you? Oh, it it's a huge confidence booster. It, you know, there's nothing to be, I don't know, self-conscious of on a set like that because it's so collaborative. We're working together to make the best thing we can make. Yeah. And so Gloria Steinem is, she's a journalist, an activist, a key player in expanding the women's rights movement, contributing to the perception that women might be human. Um, <laughs> so when she starts her career, you hear that, Mom? <laughs> male magazine editors are assigning her stories that are about wives of leaders or dating questionnaires. She's asked to make coffee at one point in the office by one of her peers, another another journalist. And she she does it and sucks it up. But what did you learn, Nick Basta, during your time on the set just about the way it was for women back then that maybe you didn't really understand before? I wouldn't say this taught me anything about that. I mean, Mad Men was pretty educational for a lot of folks. I mean, it was a specific drama that really sold well, you know, as as what it was. Um, I didn't I actually chose like, okay, so this guy really does like her, you know, and like he wants to, her, he supports her, her writing. And the, like they say, we'll always go back to the text, you know. So this is written by a playwright in Julia Taymor. So I think that's a lot different than a lot of other screenplays. It is wordy. It's extensive. You know, if you see, if you see a play, you got to have a lot of stuff going on. It can't be all action. I mean, I look back and go, my God, that's, what a challenge, you know, because I'm writing screenplays now and, as opposed to my theater training. So there's a lot of stuff to say. And I worked in an office building for three scenes in 12 hours, and there was something really dry about the area. So I learned how to make sure you have enough water and you keep <laughs> hydrated because you can tell in one of those scenes that I'm a little bad like this um, at the end of the day in that downtown building. Mm -hmm. um, a haunted one. Yeah. Um, I didn't – I wouldn't say I just – I learned anything. I mean, we – I think I'm already there. I mean, my mom, again, was a big feminist. It wasn't a big jump for me. She's a mental health nurse, so I grew up in Syracuse, New York, next to Hutchings Psychiatric Institute. And that that kind of um, – that that angle was not a stretch for me. Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, there's – you have – in one of your scenes, there's this moment where she talks about what she wants to write about, and you say that – if you publish an article, I mean, I had to stop the film for a second and rewind and go, did he actually say that out loud? Uh, you say if you publish an article saying that women are equal to, to men, one. you'll have to yeah. publish another one saying they're not. Yeah. And, you know, your character is calling that that's what being an objective journalist is. But hearing this in the 21st century, it's hard to believe that that was said out loud by a supposedly reasonable person just not that long ago. Well, the Civil War was only 150 wars years ago, too. I mean, let's just face Most things change. The, but I'm, I'm glad for the growth that we've had, and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's snowballing. It's getting a little bigger and better, and I'd like to support that. There are other Wilmington actors in this film. I noticed in the credits uh, Lisa Harris Oh yeah, I had a so. role, mm -hmm. and um, 
I'm, I'm sure there were other people whose names I didn't recognize just because I don't know them. But as you said, this shot in Georgia, not North Carolina. What does that say about Wilmington's talent pool? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some um, there's some great actors here, and there's actors. And the thing that I think is cool is that I feel like the actors that are based here that are staying here and have stayed are really uh, being true to themselves and being authentic to what brings them joy. And I think to be a good actor, you do have to have a full life. And if this is the place that makes that work for you, um, I think it comes through in your work. Um, you know, there was a lot of actors that picked up and left here and went to Atlanta full time and haven't come back. And that's great if that's what they needed to do. But I, I'm proud of the actors that have stayed and are having success all over. I mean, Southeast and New York and everywhere in between. So it's it's exciting. You're listening. If to I may just oh, sure, yeah, go ahead. Nick. If I may just add to that, you know, Allie and I are good friends, and so are her husband, you know, and it to have a community that's this, and we can hang out Saturday nights, and you know, go home in ten minutes. It's like you can't get that in New York or L.A., and I don't miss that. The beauty is you can have virtually it all. If we could work a little bit more, I'd be happy. It's just like, just like I can't up. have everything. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to Coastline. With us today, Ali McCulloch and Nick Basta. <laughs> Ali plays Brenda Feigen in The Glorias, a biopic based on Gloria Steinem's book, My Life on the Road. Nick plays the editor of New York Magazine in the film. There is a free screening of The Glorias, courtesy of the North Carolina Filmmakers Series, this Sunday, March 20th at 4 p.m. at The Point in Wilmington. Nick and Allie will participate in a Q&A after the film. And Allie, you mentioned how important it is to have a full life and, and not just stay focused on the acting jobs you're getting or not getting. You are currently on The Resident. This mm-hmm. is your third season and this was kind of a surprise yes. for you to get yeah. written into the season. Tell us how that happened. Well, um, three seasons ago, so we're in the fifth season, so the third season, I was a guest star, and it was a one-off as far as I knew. Um, I'm uh, OBGYN, and I did my thing, and then they started calling me for last season where I was the OBGYN to the two main characters who were pregnant, and they were having a baby, and I ended up at the end of the season delivering the baby. Um, so that was the end of the job because the baby's in the world now and um and then yeah they just recently just started bringing me back and um I have a new I'm still an OBGYN but new uh patient that's one of the cast members on the show that I'm dealing with so it's really exciting so they wrote you back in I guess I don't know yeah yeah and that this was because I've heard you talk about the complexities of being on set and needing to to have your character and be able to spit out your lines without thinking about them. And this particular character, because she's an OBGYN, she's got, she's had some complicated language, yeah. medical jargon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tricky. It's definitely, um, I would consider it one of the harder jobs for actors uh, where it's expositional dialogue and it's very important information and it has to be said and it has to be part of the, the show. Um but, you know, as far as, like, the stuff I love to do, you know, communicating human to human about things that are not medical, it's not that. Like, I have to, I have to do the job, but it's, um, it, it, it is tricky. Um, but once you realize the, the machine that you're working in, it gets easy to do what you got to do. Um, so I, you know, I spend time, of course, memorizing the lines, and then I look up everything that I'm saying so I know what I'm doing as a doctor. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's actually, it's fun because it's such a challenge. Yeah. 
So Nick, respecting the actors that are on a show for like 19 years, like Grey's Anatomy or 19 seasons. Right. <laughs> it's a lot. That's killer. Congrats. Aren't they doctors by proxy at this point? Right. Like, I, I <laughs> might trust them to do surgery. Right. No, I, I wouldn't. Um, not. I am not a doctor. <laughs> Nick Basta, tell us about your recurring role on The Staircase. What is that about and who do you play? Um, so that's based on the lawsuit up in Durham about Michael Peterson who threw his wife down the staircase, or so we think. Kind of a true crime um, narrative by Antonio Campos for HBO. Huge budget. I think they have 200 roles available or, uh, you know, they have 200 roles cast. Um, I'm nothing huge. I'm a restaurant manager that uh, Tony, Colette, and Colin Firth, uh, they're married. He's Michael Peterson, and I think she's Kathleen. They go to the favorite restaurant in Durham. It's an Italian joint, and I, I run it. So it must be my restaurant experience that got me the job. Yeah, you actually cook, don't you? Yes, I do, but I didn't cook for this audition. Right. <laughs> but I wanted to. They had real food going. Yeah, they got a really big budget. It's going to be a big deal. HBO, limited series. Sophie Turner's in it, Juliette Binoche. It's, uh, yeah, a lot of local actors got cast, too. Yeah. And what about The End Game? This is a new show on yeah. NBC. It's like Blacklist for Ladies. <laughs> what does that mean? It's, it's essentially um, Blacklist um, with Marina Bakari, I think her name is, and um, Ryan F Michelle. Uh, it's uh, NBC show, drama, hour-long procedural. I play another nasty guy. I won't spoil it, but it's episode 106, okay, March well, 28th. We'll, we'll have to <laughs> look for that. Um, and we're going to be going to break in just a minute or so. But there are these roles that actors get that aren't really about diving deeply into a character. You're there to further the plot deliver information. How do you kind of feed yourself with that? I mean, how do you, when you get that kind of a role, Nick Basta, what, is, what does it mean to you, knowing there may not be a huge creative pool to dive into, but um, is it still fun? Well, yeah, working's always fun. It's, I've never <laughs> been fired from an acting job. I've been fired from a lot of jobs, but never from an acting one. I think I may have told you that. Uh, I think that you do. You try to find the best fun and have a good moment between the characters. I mean, so it's called supporting part, even though they're guest stars. You know, you support the leads in whatever they're trying to do, be it detective or be deceptive or whatever you, you, you have you. Uh, I just find joy in working no matter what and getting paid and kind of, you know, helping out the younger, some of the younger PAs and younger actors that sort of look up to you uh, in a way. But... Um, yeah, you don't have to dive in. Look them in the eye, say it like you mean it, do a character. You're listening to Coastline. Ali McCulloch and Nick Basta are with us today, both professional actors based in Wilmington, North Carolina, both with parts in the 2020 feature film, The Glorias. When we come back from this short break, more on how they make it work and fill their creative reservoirs. Stay with us. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline.
You're listening to Coastline. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn. Nick Basta plays the editor of New York Magazine in the 2020 film The Glorias, starring Julianne Moore and Alicia Vikander. Ali McCulloch plays Brenda Feigen in the film, one of Gloria Steinem's close friends and an editor of Ms. Magazine. Both Nick and Ali are based in Wilmington, raising families. They happen to be good friends, and they both make their living as professional actors. I should note there is a free screening courtesy of the North Carolina Filmmakers Series this Sunday, March 20th at 4 p.m. at The Point in Wilmington. Nick and Allie will both participate in a Q&A after the film. So there is this perception among many members of the public, this sort of stereotypical perception of actors as people who can't keep a family together or keep a marriage together because they're constantly going off away from their family to work and um, and falling in love with the people that they work with on the set. Allie, can you kind of talk about what it's like to raise a family and and be based in a town where you're a property owner and a taxpayer and the parents of local school children and kind of clue the rest of the public into the reality of what it's like to be an actor, because that's not necessarily what it is for everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely in um, in the, the actor's life. It's not the way most people see it, um, being in a small-ish city. And um, I mean, we live like a very normal life here. And that was part of our intention when we came over here. Um, both my husband and my parents are on the East Coast, um, kind of nearby, and they're getting older. We wanted to be near them, and we wanted them to have a really strong relationship with our children. And so that was part of it. But the the other part of it that I love is that, you know, my kids go to normal school, and they do extracurriculars, and they, you know, go. we just we, – we do a very normal thing, and then work takes us away from that sometimes, from time to time. Um, but I, I think that's that's a blessing because we have such a solid foundation here. Um, I, think, I think the – perception is accurate. There's a lot of people that do, you know, work on a show or a film for a long time and end up in, you know, whatever. But um, but for us, I mean, what we're doing really works. We have this foundation that we've built. We have this business that we run together. Um, and we're both actors. So we understand the lifestyle and we support each other. And sometimes I'm away and he's not and vice versa. Sometimes we're both away and we have the grandparents or you know, our babysitter who we love, hang out with our kids and kind of hold down the fort. So it, it seems to work for us. Nick Basta, you met your wife when she was acting, but she's not in the business these days. You are. So how did the two of you navigate that with your with your family? Do you have commitments or boundaries or things that you always come back to to make sure that? Well, the job takes precedence no matter what. I mean, that's just, you don't get offered a lot of a lot of jobs per day so you take usually whatever uh, Ali brought up an interesting point yeah it's like um, I don't think we're very much on the brink of series regular and that's our goal <laughs> right because that's where you make real money and have real power um, you know that would be a different game if you're away because I was just in Budapest in October 
for three weeks. You know, and there's some challenges. You got to go away, and it's it's can be lonely, and you're you're not you know you're missing Halloween, which is a specific thing that happened this year. And I'm like, oh, I could be home for Halloween, but you make it, you know, because it's a good job. If you were to be away in a foreign country for seven months, that would be another set of rules. Like I would have to decide whether that's you know if I'm going to be dead soon, <laughs> do I want to risk this? I of course to take the job. Uh, I would bargain for more money for season two, though. So this is all on the the vision board. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not that hard. I mean, my wife's um, a stay-at-home mom right now. Uh, we have some other businesses that we do and rent properties, and we dabble in a lot of little things like that. So it's not really a true challenge. And when you go away, you can go away for four days, New Orleans or New York, what have you. Um, I haven't really had too many challenges. Like that, so. <laughs> what were you doing in Budapest? I did FBI International. Uh, it's a show that actually our former students. Um, were on the original FBI. Your um, former students, as you point to Ali McCulloch. At Actors Arsenal, and I taught this gentleman, Zico Zaki, at Cape Fear Community College, and now he's a big star. Big star. And he knew everyone on this spinoff of FBI called FBI International, filmed in Budapest. Short answer is it's a cheap place to film, so they bring it there, and there's a bunch of stuff going on there. And so I was flown over first class, Marriott, you know, it was really nice. <laughs> You both are teachers in, in different capacities. And Nick, you taught at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And you said to me that you told the kids they weren't going to make it. Um, it's very well, I told you, you that. I told you that. No, the oh, older okay. I get, the, the more I just know that. I, I actually try. No, I think I told you I had one friend or one uh, student from Cape Fear Community College made his first movie and said, thank you for believing in me. So those are the things I was holding my saddle to during the pandemic when nobody was working and I was having a big slump and this and that. Uh, no, I just sometimes you have to say if you can do anything else, do it just because the numbers are just atrocious. You know, and Ali and I are working professionals and we can go over 50, you know. Mm-hmm. Those are the facts. You know, everyone wants to tell you or like the stories. I think people, actors like to tell stories and magazines sell stories that actors tell. You know, it's, it's a revolution of, of storytelling that sells magazines. Um, the reality is it's hard. Uh, you know, maybe you obtain a level uh, that you just be given parts. Uh, that's even hard to fathom. You know, that's like winning the lotto. Winning the Powerball would be like, here's a part. I don't even want you to read for it. Don't you feel like you have dreams about that? Yeah, but sometimes it happens. I haven't had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Well, See, maybe I, I, stop talking least, that way. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we go back and forth with our um, our negative thinking. Um, you know, you bo- you are both very different that way because Allie, you you have said she's better than me. She teaches me actually. Well, you you talk about how important it is to stay positive. Yes, absolutely, and, and how regardless of of what the current circumstances are, you put a lot of energy into what you want and yeah. into creating your future. Yeah, and I mean, because I've tried it the other way and that doesn't feel good at all. So for me, I mean, if, if I didn't really believe I could do this, like really do this, I wouldn't be doing it. So that's kind of what, like what Nick was just saying. If you tell your students, you know, if you can do anything else, do it. It's because if they're not gonna do anything else, they're going to do it. It takes a special person to really well, stay it's, in it's this. A, it's a disease. It, it's a disease. It's a disease. Is it, but is you it, have is to. it really a disease? But in the but, best way. Yeah, but you guys way. are artists. 
I mean, is that a disease? The fact that you have to act that that is the most authentic form of your self-expression. And you both have other forms of expression, which we're going to get into. I made potato wedges uh, Saturday that everyone seemed to enjoy. That was my creativity (laughs) for the week, honestly. (laughs) They were really good. Yep. (laughs) But, but. You you do have a certain amount of respect for this form of self-expression, Allie. Yeah, Can the you utmost. Talk about why it's so important to you. Like, I can't I, I can't really put my finger on it. I, I've just known it since my earliest memories. I used to have make the neighborhood come watch me in my backyard do shows <laughs> with my sister on the the back deck, and we would charge admission. And I was like four. There's like home videos of us doing the locomotion and stuff. I mean. Little, little, and I did plays all the way through. So I, I don't know where it came from. That's why I know it's who I am, you know. And I just, I just stick with it, and I find joy in all of the moments, even the bad ones, because what used to feel when I was going through maybe a negative time or whatever used to feel like a devastating loss. And I've, I've had big, big losses in this industry. What do you mean by that? What's an example of a big loss? Um, well. Uh, I think I've made amends with it these days, but I was in, I got cast in one of my favorite shows of all time. So that's a dream in and of itself. And I had the best experience shooting and um, everything went, couldn't have gone better. And then I got cut from the show and I literally carried that around with me for like five years, like devastated. And that doesn't, that can't help. That can't help. It's okay to feel the pain and then you got to move through it. And I don't know why, but I'll never, maybe never know why. It's just you just have to go through it. And now what I realize is that I still had the experience. I love the show. I booked the show. I worked with Stephen Gyllenhaal. I met Ray McKinnon, who was the creator of the show. It was the show Rectify. Um, it was a beautiful experience. So what's the loss? I don't watch my stuff anyway, so I wasn't going to watch it. So, you know, it's um, – The I, fact that you even booked that – I mean, we hear as a non-southerner. Well, and oh, I'll tell you a story about that. Um, And uh, yeah, I wasn't even requested. I didn't get the audition for it or anything. And I had my agent reach out and ask if I could tape, and they said sure, and I got it. So it was just really cool. Um, Yes, I technically have southern roots, which was what they wanted. My dad's from Tennessee, and my mom's a military brat, so from all over. So yeah, yeah, and I did the accent. It was fine. Yeah, I just remember them wanting all authentic, to, authentic Southerners. Yeah. I was like, they knew I was from New York, so it was like, I get all the Boston pots, but yeah. nothing in the South, you know, <laughs> whatever. So. Yeah. But Allie brings up a great thing, because I do actually learn from her and her positivity, which is wonderful. And I don't want to think I'm on a recalcitrant, but I get <laughs> I get negative parts, because I don't know, I must exude that <laughs> that way. But um, I also get positive parts, you know. But I will say that it is nice to have... Um, professionals around and friends that can help you, yeah. you know, remind you that it's the gruel. Obviously, it, like I do say, it's a disease because I can't not do it. Luckily, my daughter doesn't have it, so I don't want to see her miserable. And when I say something like the UNCW students, I'm not saying, you know, you're not going to make it. What I'm saying is if you can't get through me, yeah. you're not going to get through anything because yeah. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for you. Yeah. You know, even private lessons or when that's like it's really challenging sometimes to say, do you really want this? You know, I think we just we just have to do it. What are yeah. some of the ways, especially in the harder times? Like the 2020 was a tough year because you guys you went to Sundance, right, for the with this film, mm-hmm. and then everything fell off a cliff in Within terms two weeks. of shutting yeah. down. Movie weeks. theaters were closed. You've both said this film didn't get the play that it really deserved because it couldn't open in yeah. films. 
it it's available on Amazon Prime. But w- how did you feed yourself as an artist through that time when everything was closed down? Nick Basta, you have a few ways that you... Well, I've been writing since, uh, you know, there's always some downtime. And um, uh, I've written the Yogi Berra screenplay, a uh, biopic about Yogi Berra, the famous baseball player, Yankee and Italian, which is all close to my heart. Um, I'm also, I wrote, during the pandemic, I wrote a, a dark comedy about New Orleans, which is, I lived for six years, called The Goodwill. And I'm now working on a new screenplay about the Civil War battle, The Battle of the Crater, a miniseries. So, I mean, that, that to me is my morning hour, and it gets out that stuff. I don't need to act with anybody per se to get my creative expression because I have my two, three hours in the morning where I'm doing that. And you mentioned potato wedges as a joke, but uh, which I believe you really made for Allie and her husband mm-hmm. over Delicious. the weekend. But a little you, overcooked. You do, <laughs> but you cook. That's also one of your forms. I like of... to eat, so it's actually a really good mix. Yeah. So this morning I made a spinach and feta omelet. You know, homemade. I was making my own breads like everyone else during the pandemic. I made my own pizzas. You know, I got really garden. good at ciabatta yeah. during quarantine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy at to do. making it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Making ciabatta? Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice olive it's oil. See, I can taste it now. Really good. <laughs> I think we're hungry. Mm-hmm. And They're how, good cooks, too. How else do you feed yourself, Allie, as an artist? Well, it's weird. During the beginning, like in quarantine and stuff like that, it was very different. I was with my parents helping them renovate their new home. Um, so we were doing all kinds of construction jobs, which is so fun. Um, and it just really keeps you so busy that you don't your mind doesn't wander. Um, in normal life for me, I mean, I, I read a lot. I like to read a little bit of everything, but um, especially, you know, learning new information that I otherwise would never have the opportunity to learn unless it was for a role. So, you know, just diving into that. And then I think like everybody these days, I'm, I'm watching everything. And I'm watching it as an actor doing work, like, in that way. And I like to be aware of everybody that's out there doing great things because I'm auditioning for some of them. Um, but also it's it's fun to watch something that brings me joy and keeps reminding me of the good in the world. I'm, I just started Ted Lasso, just started it. I'm on the end of season two. I mean, I think I, that's what I did this weekend basically, but I'm so moved by it. And I, I think that that's it just reminds me of the power that we have to change the world. Even though it's just entertainment. It's well, yeah. Storytelling can transcend sometimes uh, the intellect that's acting as a barrier. But that's a whole other soapbox that I won't get on right now. <laughs> How do you think about auditions? Because Nick, you mentioned you can be over fifty, and what you mean, I think, is that you can have fifty auditions and not book a job. You can have eighty-three auditions. <laughs> sure, I think that's one of your actual numbers, right? So, yeah. Allie says, "Don't say numbers." I don't think no. you should okay. say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all that's right. it, but I'm it's free in, for the last five. It's in the okay, past. So that's what you start saying, man. <laughs> it's in the past. Look, but, Yogi Berra says, "I'm not in a slump. I'm just ain't hitting." Okay, which can be past tense. So, but how do you? Like, do you look forward to the audition itself as an opportunity to to do your thing? Uh, lately, you I've been reading it? for bigger parts. So it's like, okay, there's more to go into. You know, it, I think what I'm talking about miserable is, Allie knows, when you get office manager one, you got to read for it. You got to take the hour to do the darn thing, send it off, and then you don't get it. It's like, we're above office worker one. That's just the way it is. I don't mean to sound arrogant. It's just like, okay, I'm done with Office Worker 1. So lately, there have been some juicier parts, you know. I just auditioned for a movie where I get to make out with Natalie Portman. <laughs> True story. I mean, I, I'll do it for the job. 
<laughs> I will somehow pull okay. myself together. So no boundaries there. There's okay. no boundaries there. I All mean, right. it's just it's kind of an amazing part. So I really got into it, put my time into it. Um, but the, the parts are funner, the bigger, they're, they're just they're a lot more to, to sink your teeth into. Yeah. Um, so you, you do have to find some joy. And then generally you, you, know, you let them go. I actually forget them the next day. And that is this edition of Coastline Ali McCulloch. Nick Basta, thank you both so much for Thanks being with for us. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Tonight. Coastline's technical director is Ken Campbell. Coastline is a production of WHQR Public Media. You can find this episode at whqr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline. <laughs>